Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you the same. Very special and exciting episode coming up right now. It's something that we've never done on Subway Sports Talk or on Sports Blog New York podcast, if you're an OG listener for that matter. We've done similar things in basketball with top 25 lists, top 25 players in the league. And it's about damn time we do it for quarterbacks. So we've been talking about this for weeks, me and uh, the co-host coming in today. Months, perhaps. Our whole lives since we've known each other. Perhaps one of my best friends, quarterback appreciator, quarterback passer of his own right in his day, football lover, Paul Barkeda. What's up, my brother? PD, how are you doing, man? One very important title of yours that I didn't mention there, that I saved here for this moment. You're also my quarterback. You're my quarterback, bro. <laughs> giving me chills to start to start the, my uh, the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes, uh, I'm Pete. I can't can't tell you uh, how excited I am to be here tonight. Uh, really looking forward to this. It's it's been too long for sure. I know we've been talking about. Not just this episode, but definitely getting back uh, on, on a pod together and, and talking what we love the most, which is sports, football specifically. Um, and I just want to say, you know, not just from myself, but I think from our, our friend group back home and family, how how one, just how proud we are of you and, and where Subway Sports Talk has grown into where it is today. Uh, we're super happy for you and we're just continuously looking forward to how much more it grows in the future. And I'm not saying this as you're one of, like you said, best friends, your quarterback. <laughs> it's, it's a b- unbiased objective sports fan that the content that you're, you guys are putting out on a week to week basis, not just from football, um, but on the other sports as well. It, it really genuinely is some great stuff. So I'm just really excited to be a part of it here uh, tonight. Damn, so appreciate that. It means a lot. You know, it's funny because there are a number of friends in our group who, who do listen, and even some of them I didn't even know listened. Like, Bruce, yeah. shout out to Bruce. One day he told me, like, yo, I heard you tell you on the basketball. And I'm like, what? Where did you hear? He's like, on the pod, bro. I listen to every episode. I was like, what? It's like, how did you not tell me that? <laughs> but I appreciate that so much, man. It means a lot. Yeah. And uh, something that, you know, is obvious to this point, I want to do this with people I love talking sports with. So if it goes all the way back to Alec, who has been doing it with me for years now, who me and him yeah. just love yelling at each other and disagreeing, even though we do see eye to eye on some stuff. Uh, my boy Duffy, who I originally started the podcast with back in college. And you, it's actually been way too long for you to make your debut on the podcast because there was a certain point in time when we first graduated college where you and I were about to start the podcast. And we had an episode in the bag, and we were about to start recording and ripping. And then, boom, both of us got jobs, and we were like, oh, snap, what happened? And, you know, things went the way life does, which is all over the place. And now it's years later. I almost had your dad on once in between, <laughs> in between then and now. And I, it's actually a missed opportunity that I haven't had him on. He's a spectacular human being, but here yeah. we are. Uh, it goes back to during two a days, the first year we ever met 
when uh, you became my my quarterback, right? We were yeah. going back to your house playing Mario Kart on the Wii for four hours in a row, eating chicken <laughs> rolls and a, a whole pie of pizza before yeah. pra- practice number two and uh, talking sports and just beating up the computer in Mario Kart. So we've come a long way, and now we're here. That's That was over 10 years ago. That was 13, 14 years ago now, Paul. We're old as heck. Uh, yeah, the, don't remind me. You can't really see my my father's gray hairs that he's so nicely <laughs> pop, uh, passed down to me on the side here. But I know it's it's crazy that our 10-year senior year anniversary is coming up. So as you mentioned, we first met freshman year, Tube Sock Tuesdays. Hell Remember, yeah, I, shout I, out I'm, to Tube Socks. I, I'm rocking a pair right now, of course. Um yeah, man, it's crazy. It's been this long, and I know you mentioned the the pod that we did. Can you believe we talked about uh, Ben McAdoo? Oh my God! Wait, no, it was before, and and then oh, even Shermer. no, remember it was before McAdoo. It was when they didn't have a coach yet. They were on Coughlin the search, left. and there was like uh, there was rumors about the Giants like trading like first round picks or something like that for Sean Payton. Remember that rumor? Yeah, that was yes, what, that was yes. one of the topics we discussed, and we were like, "You trade all the picks for Sean Payton, it's worth it." <laughs> like, we it, it would hey would have been sick. We might not be talking about the Giants' third coach since uh, then if they did trade some first round picks for Sean Payton, though that basically never happens in the NFL. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's yeah, it's just crazy how how quickly the time goes. And I know we we went our our, our different paths to get started in our careers. But I'm I'm just so glad that we're able to kind of circle back. And I always knew we would. It's yeah. just, it was just a matter, matter of time. time. Um, but yeah, so so here we are, man. Yeah, I'm 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 pumped. So what we're gonna do today, and uh, you've probably been hearing similar type podcasts where they're ranking you know teams and divisions. They're doing over unders, which we will definitely do at some point in the next couple of weeks. You probably heard uh, people starting to rank quarterbacks coming in. Top, who are the top 10 quarterbacks? We are going to do similarly a ranking of quarterbacks. We're going to base it off tiers. We have four tier. We have four tiers or five tiers. We have four tiers. Four tiers. Probably yep. could have made it five because the fourth tier does get rather large. But, you know, more or less, whether it's the rookies who we haven't seen throw a ball yet, um, guys like, you know, Tua, who are in their second year, who didn't even play a full season. You know, not to spoil it, he's probably going to be in Tier 4. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes sense to have Tier 4 being big, but we have Tier 1, which is obviously elite quarterbacks who can carry their team, and not just can carry their team, but do consistently carry their team into the playoffs and perhaps beyond. Then you have good quarterbacks who can carry, or sorry, great quarterbacks who can carry their team, do, you know, relatively consistently or on good amount of occasion, but they're not elite level top tier guys. And then you have the middle of the pack who have spurts and good runs of carrying their team are consistent. You know, maybe some of them limit mistakes or maybe some of them make up for mistakes with big plays. You kind of get the picture here, but they're not the most consistent carriers of a team. And then tier four is below average starters or guys who we just don't have enough information yet. Uh, to really judge guys, like I said, who were just drafted or have only played a game or two or people who are in new systems who have had shit systems before that, maybe someone locally uh, or formerly local comes to mind yeah. there. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. But I have, do have one more question for you before we sure. start that. Or how mad are you that Coach Rock Odell and our own good friend Christopher Mule were on this podcast before you? <laughs> You know, 
Uh, I'm going to say no comment. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, listen, I love next those question. guys. Yeah. Next question. But, uh, you know, as funny and, and they, they're characters. So they're, they're great to listen to. Right. I, I have been, again, I've known coach Dell since I've been 10, 11 years old, uh, and known Mule for 10 years now, which is crazy. So they're definitely characters, but they know what they're talking about. And, and the points that they brought up, I mean, Dell can get a little, off Crazy. the rails. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, every great show, you know, you know, me and, and you and I, we, I listen to the fan and ESPN radio and, you know, I, I've listened to all the guys growing up and they always have those great callers or those characters throughout the show. Uh, so, so Dell and Mule are definitely fit in that mold, but also know what they're talking about. So it's kind of a nice balance, but Hey, listen, it, it's, it's all good. Uh, I'm 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 glad that, that that they've been able to contribute, but I'm also glad that listen, it's it all worked out. It's a good answer. Right? I'm not, com- it's a good I'm answer not complaining. Right there. Good answer. It's it's yeah. It's the, we, it's the quarterback professional. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We love uh, Family uh, Feud. That's a clap. Good good answer. Good answer. Yeah. It's the podium. <laughs> the podium answer. I guess you could say. And I think one thing so. that was great with them last year during football season when Subway Sports Talk really started to hit the ground running. Uh, I don't though I'm from Staten Island, I don't have a very distinct Staten Island flavor. And a yeah. lot of, a lot of our listeners are from Staten Island. That's just is what it is. I have the data yeah. and I know a good percentage of listeners live in Staten Island and Dell and Mule brought the Staten Island flavor, which was fantastic. And you and I, we have it, we have it in there. Sometimes it comes out more than others and uh, we move on from there, but all right, here we go. It's time to talk about quarterbacks. <laughs> That's 10 cool. minutes of banter for everybody that they probably didn't go. want or need. So let's talk about quarterbacks we kind of talked about how the tiers are going to be set up. So I'm going to give you the floor here to talk about what I called originally a Kubrick, which you then corrected me and said, I think you mean rubric. And I was like, rubric. yes, that is what I mean. And then we decided to call it the QB Rick because that's what this is. It's how we are judging quarterbacks. There's a number of ways, including, you know, obviously stats and eye tests, but there's things in between that things on the outside of that that you and I are both taking into consideration here. So talk about our QB Rick real quick. Yeah, sure. So first off rubric, again, it's not, that's more of a school term, right? When you're taking the, the standardized tests and the, the SATs, right? There's a rubric. I didn't follow those in, in the classroom. I certainly tried to follow them that the best on the field, right? So glad I had to correct you on that. Um, but yeah, so getting into this. So for me, Pete, Again, uh, just a quick background for everybody. I've been playing the quarterback position my entire life, literally since as early as I can remember as five years old. Father was a quarterback. Uncle was a quarterback. Cousin was a quarterback. Grandfather was a head coach, not a quarterback, but a head coach. So we are a football family to die, right? As you know, being very close with my family. So I grew up watching this game a lot differently than most other people, right? So not only just being able to watch the game, but playing it. So just knowing it and watching it in a different way as a quarterback, where, as you know, you need to be accountable for every single position on the field. And it's such a science. It's such more mentally over physically. Yes. Do you need physical gifts? Of course. Right. But for me, I wasn't so physically and, and athletically talented where I think I was able to up my game was being the most prepared in the film room getting into the game right so i can just w- evaluate in quarterbacks it's it's really come down to a science right so for me 
when I looked at myself and how can I even grade myself as a quarterback, and then obviously taking that into evaluating any quarterback, whether it's at the high school, the college, or now in the NFL, it really comes down to five things, right? So starting with, um, go, I guess, going from least important to the most important, I guess. So number five, one, uh, excuse me, number five, uh, the system, really. And I think this gets overlooked a lot. And we can, we can certainly dig into this, right? Oh, he's a quarterback of the system, good or bad, right? It, it's the chicken over the, or the egg conversation with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Is Tom Brady a quarterback of the system? Was he great because he had Belichick? Clearly, he obviously proved that wrong uh, this past year, even though he had a nice system with Bruce Arians and he had some weapons, but either way, right? So you definitely got to take into consideration the system, how effective they've been in their, in their reads, in their decisions. And when you look at a lot of these younger quarterbacks, I mean, to bring up Daniel Jones, we're going to be talking about him a lot tonight, which I'm excited about. Why you think he has struggled the way he had, especially last year, he wasn't familiar with the systems, right? You look at a guy like Big Ben, who is, it's basically his system, right? He's ran that same offense for how long? And he could just dink and dunk and do this and that and put up over 30 touchdowns this year. You can never, would ever think that, right? So it's definitely a very big factor in terms of the system that the guy is in, whether it could determine good or bad, right? Um then from there, number four, durability. I think this is another overlooked factor when, when evaluating quarterbacks, right? Listen, football is, it's an injury game, right? It, it's, it's been for, for years, but nowadays more than ever, it's getting so tough to win, right? When's the last time we, where we've really had a dynasty besides the Patriots, right? Meaning not just winning Super Bowls, but just, consistently winning the division, getting to the NFC championship, uh, conference championship games, things like that. It's getting so tough to, to be competitive in this league. And a, a big factor into that is durability. Guys can't stay healthy. And it comes down to obviously just the, the physical nature of the guys that are playing nowadays. Guys are bigger, faster than ever before. And it's definitely a big thing where behind center, he's got to be the one guy out of anybody on the field that's got to be there 16, now 17 games out of the year, right? If you look at our list, we go from a down, right? There's, there's, there's something common where the guys that are at the top of the list, how many games do they miss? Right. Maybe one to yeah. two. And the, those guys are uh, the, the quarterback position, just to add to the durability factor. They're the guys who actually move gambling lines, right? You can talk about, oh, Julio Jones is out. Oh, Devontae, well, Devontae Adams is probably specific because of what the Packers had elsewhere at receiver. But you get the idea, like a receiver's out, a linebacker's out, a DB's out, an O-lineman's out, a half point moves on the spread. Oh, a quarterback's out and three points move? That means you got a decent quarterback or an average quarterback. If six and a half points move, that means, oh, yep, the whole game has now changed because your quarterback's not there. So that's why durability at that position more than others is really the be-all, end-all. Well, be-all, end-all is strong, but you get the point. No, it's, it's, it, it really is. It's, it's, so, it's so true. So you got to have the guy behind center. I mean, listen, I love Eli. He you know me, how much I love Eli. We were spoiled that every single game, regardless if he was playing good or bad, there was definitely a lot of bad in there for sure. Uh, he was there. Right. And then knowing that 
in the locker room, whether you're a coach or you're another player, you know that number 10, number 12 is going to be out there every single game. That definitely makes you feel good going into that, if, if I could be correct, right? So, um, so then from there, number three is the eye test. Now, this is where we're going to kind of put on our uh, NFL draft combine type of hats where we're looking at guys' arm talent, athleticism, the physical measurables, right? How, how big, how fast, how, how, what they can bring to the table from, from those types of numbers. And for me, I, I struggle with this in terms of, is this really a big factor when evaluating quarterbacks? But when you think about it, it is right. Because there's certainly guys on this list that are extremely talented when it comes to their arm abilities, when it comes to their athleticism, right? And we're not going to spoil any of those guys right now, but you, you, you get some guys that come to mind, right? Um, so that is a factor that you have to consider uh, what, when evaluating quarterbacks, absolutely. So, And then the, the top two, I think, really are going to be the, the, the needle movers, really, for, for me. The second number two would be stats, right? And me, you know me, I really was never a big stats guy for me. Quarterbacks get judged on wins, wins or losses. Am I right? I mean, everyone at the end of the day gets judged on wins or losses, right? But I think the stats really nowadays really can help contribute to the evaluation of a quarterback based on those wins and losses, right? Because I think you started at the top, right? Um, A Deshaun Watson win versus a Jimmy G win or where Deshaun Watson could throw for four touchdowns and 400 yards, but lose because the defense gave up 40 points. And Jimmy G, you know, passed 10 for, times and then, you know, won the NFC division uh, division game in the playoffs. But didn't he literally throw nine times in a playoff game and win or something like that? Like ridiculous, right? Yeah, exactly. And that comes back to the system, right? That, that That's a factor. So, so looking into stats, it, it is for me something to consider where, because those that's what they equate to wins, right? Guys being able to put the ball in the end zone, get first down. And I'm not just talking about yards and touchdowns. I look at the, the turnovers, how many interceptions, how fumbles, how many sacks, right? How many, and, and we, you know, the stats are out there nowadays. We can get so into the weeds on, on third down conversions and fourth quarter percentage in terms of their their accuracy or in the fourth quarter right so those stats are definitely something to look at when evaluating guys for sure and for the number one on on the rubric for me is i like to call it the two minute slash momentum test right so who's the guy behind center that when it comes down to the two minutes on the clock you need to put your team in the position to win who's that guy right as we go through the list, there's going to be guys that, okay, no question, I'm going to have that guy behind center versus ah, this guy, maybe I don't know, right? So that's definitely a, a big factor with the guy that, you know, not, not just going to take you down the field, put the ball in the end zone, get a field goal, but even just getting a big first down to keep the clock going and close the game out. Give the and defense a rest. It, that goes to my next point with right. the momentum tests, right? So we know f- why we love football. It's because it's such a momentum-driven game, right? Anything can happen that can change the game in one snap, right? So who's the guy behind center where, as you mentioned, the defense gives up a big play, gives up a 10-play drive, takes eight, nine minutes off the clock where they're gassed, right? 
Who is the guy behind center that's going to look your team in the face and say, hey, guys, listen, we got this. Let's go down the field. Let's go get three. Or let's go get a couple first downs, chew the clock a little bit, punt it inside the 10-yard line, get it back, right? The worst-case scenario. Who's that guy? And then on the flip side of that, what happens when the momentum changes in your favor? What happens if your team gets an interception or a big play on special teams or something that the momentum gets brought to you? Who is going to be the guy behind center that's going to capitalize on that and keep that momentum going, right? Because how many times have we seen as Giants fans where Fly <laughs> or Jones, they throw a, we get a pick on defense or a turnover and then right back out there, we'll, we'll, throw, we'll t- toss it right back to the other team. How backbreaking is that? on being on the sideline it's it's the guy who almost comes in like too confident it's like yo we just got a pick let's ride pick back right back to him you know (laughs) like that's almost worse than the opposite where you know you're you keep putting your defense in bad positions how about when your defense puts you in a good position and you blow it anyway like that's almost more demoralizing yeah it, it 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 really is and you know just and I've, I've been on that side of the fence where so I got the opportunity for for those who don't know get to pl- to play in college. I went to Cortland State University and I actually played defense my, my freshman sophomore year. I came in as a quarterback but transitioned to safety, so I actually had the chance to get that feeling where we just make a big play on defense, everyone's jacked up, blah blah blah. Then the offense throws a pick or fumbles or it's like, oh come Three on guys, out. figure yeah. it out. So. So I definitely know how that feels on both sides, obviously playing quarterback my whole life and then playing defense a little bit too. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's the rubric. So, so again, the two minute momentum tests, stats, eye tests, durability, and the system, how effective they've been in their systems uh, with their reads, decisions and all that. Right. So that's perfect. Great job by you. And just to reiterate, because we didn't say this very specifically, this is not about the next five years. This is not about, what quarterback are you taking if you're starting a franchise for the next 10? Like, that's not what we're doing. We're doing 2021. Who are the quarterbacks you want? Who are the elite quarterbacks that are about to play for their teams this year? Because that's another portion of this. When we talk about system, that includes the players around you. So we can't talk about, oh, Matt Stafford's on the Rams with a better coach and better talent around him. That's going to help him go from, I'm just going to make numbers up, from 13 to 8. And then turn around and say, oh, well, Tannehill is only good because Derrick Henry's there and everyone's looking at him. Those two things are the same. Those two things have to be judged equally. So if you're going to use Stafford being on the Rams as a positive for Stafford, you have to use what's going to help other quarterbacks be a positive for them. Like you're not going to knock Tannehill down because of that and boost Stafford up because of the similar reason, if that makes sense. So all of these things very much so matter. Uh, And that's why in my head already is going, it's hard to talk about this without bringing up uh, specific names like Jimmy G, right? We don't even know if he'll be the starter for so long, but we do know that his team and system has been so strong around him. He's gotten hella wins in San Francisco. Has it been on him? That's a different conversation, right? So we're going to yeah. get to that wholeheartedly as we move on, move on throughout this tiers. But now we're actually going to talk about specific quarterbacks and no better place than to start with tier one. So Pete Kennedy, Paul Barquita, Subway Sports Talk. Let's do it. Tier one is relatively easy. You and I, which we didn't, we had crossover obviously in every tier, but this was the only tier we had the same list of guys. Um, it's it's pretty straightforward. There's one easy, easy place to start and I'm not going to do a dramatic thing. It's Patrick Mahomes. 
Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Yes, he did not win the Super Bowl last year. Yes, he was running around for his life last year. But let's be honest. When you talk about all the things that we just spoke about in the QB Rick, in the QB rubric, he has them all. <laughs> he has the momentum test, the stats, the eye test. He's healthy. His system is amazing with Andy Reid and those weapons. It's just him, and that's really all there is to say about that. I don't even know if we have to litigate anything, but I will let you say your piece. What, like, you know, for lack of a better term, what, uh, what uh, maybe I just won't say, I'll say what gets something hard, but what gets you going the most as a quarterback lover and appreciator and studier when you're watching Patrick Mahomes? It's, it's, he gets me so angry because he's unreal. Right. It's like angry in terms of jealousy, really, that uh, that guy is that gifted from, as you said, all four things. I mean, the things that he does on the field, it's 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 generational. It's and he's 25, right, 26 years old. He's not even really in his full prime yet. And you would argue that he already is, which is insane. But I mean. It's, it's again, he's just got, it's the arm talent, it's the athleticism. And we're, what I mean by athleticism, really, it's not the Lamar Jackson 4-3-40. Yes, that is, that, that is something to consider. It's the ability to throw in different positions, the ability to get outside the pocket and make those types of throws on the run, right? And I think he has really paved the way. I mean, you could argue Russell Wilson and Rod started that, but... Mahomes has taken that to the next level to where guys like Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert and those, the new generation is going to start coming in. Right. So he, he's, he's just so great to watch from, from that perspective on just like a, a, a skill set, but then also the things, again, we, 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 we overlook like the system, like the reads, the calls that he's making at the line. Right. I can easily spot out when he's making changes to the line to effectively make the right play call, which again is so overlooked when evaluating quarterbacks and those things go a long way. Right. And, and another reason why I'm jealous, it's just that the coolest freaking offense I've seen in so long with, with those guys with, with, uh, with Tyreek and, and, and Kelsey and the running backs. And it's, it's, yeah, there's really not much to say that you can't not hate or adore what Pat Mahomes has done in his career so far. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. And if you even think about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who we're about to talk about in two seconds, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't start for, until, you know, Patrick Mahomes is already a tier one guy by the time Aaron Rodgers became a starter in the league and Patrick Mahomes sat a year two, right? Yeah. Tom Brady probably wasn't a true tier one guy until the the late 2000s because those first couple of years, you probably argue that he's a tier two guy with a really good system around him. And, and Russell Wilson, even more so, like, he didn't get him close to Tier 1 until four years, five years down the road. We're just getting to four years now, and we're saying, yeah, he's undoubtedly the number one guy, and it's not particularly close. It's just absolutely silly what that man could do on a football field. Yeah, it's 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 not it was not even a question yeah. of putting Mahomes number one. Well, let's go uh, on to he's that guy. Let's go on. Yeah, he, he's that guy from the show, a hundred percent. That guy, that guy, dude. So let's go to some questions here, and they're not questions in the sense that they are tier one. So I'll read them off right now. We had in no particular order, for now, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Both of you, both you and I rounded out our tier one with those three guys. So Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, Wilson. It looks like we have the same uh, order, which was just that, Rogers, Brady, Wilson. What separates them, or is it more of just like, 
you know, Rodgers is a little bit younger. He did just win the MVP. Brady had a better team around. Like, what is it if you have that order, which it looks like you do, that separates them with the tiniest hair? Because when we're talking eliteness and true eliteness, that's really how we are grading. Yeah, I I think it's a very thin hair. It's almost like what type of flavor do you want? Because at the end of the day, they're all going to bring you the same type of success, right? And and again, it depends obviously what type of team you got around them, but it could be argued that if you put these guys all on the same team with the same amount of help, with the same amount of weapons, you're getting Super Bowl or the, at least to the Super Bowl possibly winning, right? And one thing I wanted to ask you, what do you notice about all four of those guys in, in the elite? What do they all four have in common without the rest of the guys on the list? What do they all have in common? Um threw one back at you, bro. Oh, they all were not top. Well, Mahomes was a top 10 pick. I don't know. What are you going at here? I don't know. That's, that's, that's a good guess. All four of them have Super Bowl rings. Ah, there you go. That's true. And there's obviously other guys in the league. Are there other guys in the league who have Super Bowl rings or is that it? That's just big. Oh no. And big Ben and big Ben. And and are we putting Nick Foles in the uh, no. league category? Pete, I don't think so. So uh, wait, that's that it. Is... Holy shit, that's the only guys in the league with the Super Bowl right now. Hold on, because well, Joe Flacco is probably on a roster somewhere, but we're not counting him. Um, He's not starting really. Yeah, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan have played in Super Bowls. Jimmy G, Jared Goff have played in Super Bowls. Wow, those are the only four guys plus Big Ben who are Super Bowl winners who are still you know in their prime of sorts. Wow, that, that's a good one. That's good. Yeah. So, and I, I wanted, we could dig that into that a little bit more. I, I, I do want to answer your question about, you know, what separates those four. But, um, but to piggyback off that, I think this list, as we're now really kind of prepping the tours, right? It's, we're in such a great time right now where, look, if, if you, I'm looking at the list right now, there are so many question marks in this league with quarterbacks, right? These four are obviously a lock, but let's be real. Brady's done in two, three, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But at least <laughs> let's say three years. Between same one and seven Rogers. years. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, same with Rodgers. You don't know how many more years he's really got in terms of his elite play or he just wants to walk into the sun. So it definitely is going to be a very interesting look to see how this list shapes up, not even just next year, through this year, right. and then obviously next year. So that's something that we can consider where guys who might be a little bit higher or guys who might be lower on the list, it's because there's so many question marks, I think. Um, so that that's just piggyback off of like, it's crazy to think when I, when I picked that out, I'm like, wow, these four guys are the only real, besides Ben and Foles and whatever, but these are really the four everyday starters that all have Super Bowl ranks. Wow. And so, and that's considered in when I'm talking about, like, do I think Deshaun Watson could be in this list? hundred percent from when it comes to our eye test and, and all the four of the things we check off, but I can't put him in that list because he hasn't won yet. Right. And last year, where even though Houston was an absolute, you know, dumpster fire, they won four right. games. They won four games last year and not, by any means blaming Deshaun Watson for that. Yeah. But a truly elite man has a floor of seven, eight wins with a disaster season. Like that is just the floor. Like we always talk about the Seahawks 
no matter how ridiculous their games are, no matter what happens with the run game, Russell Wilson has that team fighting for a playoff spot. It just is what it is. And Deshaun Watson is literally right there. He was standing in the doorway, and I could easily make an argument for him being Tier 1, but he's just not there because of what happened most recently. Four wins. Terrible circumstances. It maybe isn't fair, but we don't even know where he's playing if he's playing this year. You can't put him in Tier 1 yet. Yeah. Again, we don't want to get into that. Well, he's coming up. Let me go back to this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what I think what separates those three guys, Rodgers, Brady, and Wilson, right. Rodgers, I, I put him higher, I would say, than Brady because, again, he just came off an MVP season. The guy arguably is the, to me, the most ta- – and Mahomes might be – but I think Aaron Rodgers is the most physically gifted quarterback to has ever played the game. Arm talent, ability to move outside the pocket. It, it's, it's just incredible to watch what he can do throwing the football, right? And obviously he has all the experience in the world and, and he, how can you not put Aaron Rodgers in up there? Right. So that's where I think, and because again, we're talking about this year is at least I know for sure that he's coming off that year. He's going to be pissed off. He's going to want to, and he's, I'm sure getting sick and tired of Brady winning all the time. I feel like everybody is right. Yeah. Who isn't right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think that's where I think his play is, is a little bit, or a step above Brady. But again, how can you not put Brady in that list too? Oh, um, it's, it's, again, and has a lot of help. You were talking sure. about this during your Q, your QB Rick portion of uh, the pod here about preparation and just being prepared. I mean, he is the literally walking example of that. He is so prepared. He went to a brand new team, new pieces, new coordinator, and by the middle point of the year, they were a well-oiled machine. Now, granted, great receiver talent, great defense, but Tom Brady put together one of his top three, four most impressive seasons ever for one of the, not one of the, the most storied career in NFL history, right? So it's just a no-brainer. I think it's fair to say that Wilson is the clear fourth on this list, and that is twofold. One, he hasn't had the playoff success in the most recent years of his career. And two is there were moments last year after he got off to this incredible start where all of a sudden, he was looking a little bit more human. And the whole thing of letting Russ cook became, oh, let's let Russ order takeout maybe. I don't know. Like he wasn't quite cooking the way he was early in the year. There were some things defenses were doing to him to make all of his you know, choice weapons look a little bit more obsolete. So it's clear that he is fourth in this list, but also very easy to say he is elite because you blink and the Seahawks are a 10-win team. It's just how... It works, and it's all because of him, what he does for that uh, offense. Yeah, I think the stat that blows my mind is, and cor- correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Mule, or you listeners at home, but I think I heard a stat that Russell Wilson has 10, 10-plus 10 win seasons or something like that, or he's got like eight or nine 10-plus win seasons, which out of all the numbers that we could throw out that we're talking today, that's freaking impressive, Right throughout almost a decade of teams flopping. And he never really had the, the, the weapons that some other quarterbacks. I and mean, now he's starting to get guys like Metcalf and Lockett's been pretty solid. But again, man, the guy's a winner. He's ultimate face of a franchise. And yeah, I, I you can't, you can't not put him up there for sure. Yeah. So. And granted he wasn't the Russell Wilson. We got to know in 2015, 
his first three years, yeah. but here are his win totals as starting quarterback. 11-5, 13-3, 12-4, and then this is where he actually started to, to take off and take over a little bit more. 10-6, and 10-5-1, 9-7, his only sub-10 win season. 10-6, and 11-5, 12-4. Yeah, that's so just this, Russell Wilson right there for you. So the, the lowest year he had nine wins. Okay. Yep. So that's, that's it. As I mentioned in the rubric, right? Quarterbacks are judged by wins. And I mean, I'm sure if you look up his stats too, He's he's definitely always up there in in yards, touchdowns. I mean, he was walking away with the MVP last year. We everyone was talking about the first half of the year, right? So it's yeah. And you talk about the uh, the the two minute momentum drill. You know, over twenty fourth quarter comebacks in his career, over thirty game winning drives in his career. It's just what he does. He does not waffle in the face of pressure by any means. In fact, he looks just as calm in the fourth quarter as he does at any point in the game. Yeah. So, let, so that's yeah. Let's uh let's actually keep this thing moving because uh all of a sudden we're gonna blink and we're gonna be at an hour. Not that we're that close yet, but <laughs> let's uh let's get into the real meat of this discussion because tier one is relatively straightforward in that regard. We were both spot on there. So in your tier two, which we're calling great quarterbacks who can carry their team and do often but not all the time, you have five guys in your tier two, and my tier two is a little bit meatier. I have eight guys in my tier two. Um, I don't think we can physically talk about every single one of these guys. So what I'm going to do is read your tier two and Mm -hmm. I can read that in order. Right. And then I'll read mine and then we can discuss where we perhaps see eye to eye and disagree. So your tier two, Paul Barquita's tier two is Deshaun Watson, who we just mentioned is right on the outskirts of tier one, Josh Allen, who joined him knocking at the door Lamar Jackson, who was an MVP just over a year ago, Ryan Tannehill, and Dak Prescott. That's five through nine, tier two for you, Paul Barquita. My tier two includes all of those same guys plus a few more. So I also have Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott right in there uh, as the top four. And then I also added in Matthew Stafford at nine, Tannehill at 10, so I have the same guys as you, plus a couple. And I threw in two other guys that you have in Tier 3 as well, Justin Herbert and Matt Ryan. So those are the differences in our Tier 2s. Mine's a little bit bigger. What stands out to you when I read that? Do you think I was a little bit too loose? Is there any guys that you were considering to put in the Tier 2? Or... There are there any guys who you say to me, how the hell could you put them in tier two? Like where where do you want to go first when you hear my tier two? Yeah, I mean, so starting with Justin Herbert. Okay, I honestly thought about putting him in the tier two because I think he's to be that elite guy. And I I said this when he was a freshman at Oregon. I quick. 30-second story, when the Giants were looking to draft Darnold, right? Remember those guys all came out, Darnold, Rosen, Jones. So I'm watching Sam Darnold to see if this could be our guy. And then I think it was literally his freshman year or sophomore year, and he lit it up at Oregon. I'm like, this guy's going to be a stud. Let's watch. Let's uh, If I if I'm going to get it, if I do not hit on Justin Herbert being a stud, I will just stop talking about sports because that's how sure I am about him. So, But I just couldn't put him in that tier two after one year. Like, I get it. He was a rookie of the year. He had unbelievable stats. I just, I need that second year. 
I need that second year of consistency to put him in those, the names, like the guys I have, like Watson, Allen, Jackson, um, right. Cause, and, and they, they've done it consistently two to three years. So that's where I start. And then Matt Ryan, man, I mean, again, do I think Matt, he's solid, right? He's, he's not a guy that I, I can really see every 90% of the games. That's going to, that's going to go out there and, 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 and when he's been a little bit inconsistent over the last few years, I mean, he had a great statistical year, but it's now he's getting up there. He's 35, 36, I think. So I just, I don't see him in that great where you talk about that top 10 and same with Stafford. I think Stafford, again, he kind of got dealt a, a pretty crappy deck of cards. We can all agree that being in Detroit, but I also can believe that if a guy's that great, he can elevate his team to being not saying a Super Bowl winning team, but at least a playoff bound team. Right. And that for me is, is really the difference in terms of going from the solid, the tier being down a tier versus being in the top two. And, um, and one thing about Dak Prescott, I'm sorry. I I, I have a lot of respect for Dak and, you know, I I hate the Cowboys, right. (laughs) As much as I wanted to say (laughs) say this, uh, I, I, I put him in the top 10 because he has, he checks the boxes with, with all the things and he's a great guy. I really do like Dak, but I don't know how, how much longer he has in that list, to be honest with you. So I struggled with putting Dak in that top tier. It's the second tier. Cause again, I feel like he's just got a little, little, little Romo type where he puts up great numbers and has great games. But when it comes down to it, it just, he doesn't, deliver but obviously you look what happened last year he goes down the whole team folds yeah, right so that's a big factor that. that's a big factor where why he has that much of an impact so yeah so i have i have some notes on that because that was a good job pushing back by you because these are the same things that i thought of as i was putting those guys in my tier two so let me start with herbert who you brought up first i said to myself just like you said i need to see him do it again before i really put him here and then i thought about the situation he had Anthony Lynn at coach who everybody was making fun of. He was the butt of every joke possible for a few years now uh, for the Chargers. So that's not a big help. All his receivers were banged up last year. Keenan Allen had some banged up times. Mike Williams was banged up. Austin Eckler got hurt in like the first or second game of the season. And he was a rookie going in and just doing crazy stuff. Granted, some of the stuff like his third and long conversions that were off the charts might come back down to earth a little bit. But those yeah. other things the new coaching staff, the healthy weapons, the a uh, little bit more shirt up O-line, those things will help balance out, in my opinion, the return to earth that he's going to make and keep him at the level he was at last year with some more wins on the board. That's what I'm expecting. So this is a bit of a projection by me. This is something that I'm saying, if this was like a flat line where the season just ended and we're making this list, I would put him in tier three and say, need to see it again. But I'm projecting with, the updated roster with another year under his belt, a new coaching staff that he will remain as that elite thrower of the football. And, you know, the signs out of camp, which you can take or leave, you know, you got a lot of Homer writers out there who are just hyping up their guys. They're saying how much more command he has in the huddle, how much more vocal he's being. Those are great signs for him, especially since that was one of the things people were making a knock on him for was his lack of um, verbal prowess you know, amongst the guys, that's growing. So it's my projection to say he's still going to, or actually he's going to enter tier two and he's not leaving anytime soon. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And all those points crossed my mind, but I just still, I went back on the, let's see him do it again. So yeah, that's ve- where ve- I'd close the book on that. Very so. fair. So let's talk about the mats, Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan. Uh, I'll go to Matt Ryan first. This guy has been like the model of consistency in this league. He has never been athletic. He has never been, you know, an off the charts thrower. Like he doesn't have a, a amazing arm that wows you all the time, but he's just consistently putting the ball where it needs to be. He has more air yards than anybody else in the league, which is one of those things that, you know, stat nerds do look at and say, you know, these guys are making longer throws more often with more consistency. So he had the most completed air yards in the league last year. Now, part of that has to do with the fact they were playing from behind so much and their defense was crappy, but they bring in Arthur Smith from Tennessee, who's now going to run the offense. That should help him. And I think people are making a bigger deal out of Julio Jones leaving than they need to. Calvin Ridley, in my opinion, is a legitimate number one receiver. The passing offense didn't skip a beat when Julio Jones was banged up last year. Matt Ryan was running for his life and still making plays. So with all that and what he's done over the course of the past you know, 10, 15 years, I feel comfortable putting him in there. And whether the team for the Falcons is above 500 or not, I think it's not going to be because of the offense. Matt Ryan is going to put points on the board, and Calvin Ridley is going to be an absolute monster for them with the revamped offense under Archer Smith. Yeah, I I said the same about Ridley when he got drafted. When I like him and Julio, that's going to be scary, especially with Matt Ryan, who, as you mentioned, he's got those those numbers. I mean, I'm looking at the, the less again. What have you done for me lately in terms of what you did for me last year? But again, like you said, the last five, 10 years, it's been, he, he's been the level of consistency, right? But um, I don't know. I just think he's going to put your team in a position to win. But in terms of the other guys on the list, that's where it comes down to. Like, I would just rather have those guys, as I mentioned, Watson, Allen, Jackson, Tannehill, Dak, where it's it's kind of more of like a not saying a no brainer, but it just it gives me more hope for this year um, to push over again, the hump, you, right? To push you're, you're it over the hump. Ryan so, gets you to the hump. Is he getting you over the hump? Yeah, and that's what it's it's so tough because you want. I love Matt Ryan. Like just as a guy, it's it's you, you don't want to hit against Matt Ryan. It's and you got to respect his career. He's if you think about it, he could possibly could be in the conversation borderline in Canton one day he's got the MVP he's got a, the Super Bowl appearance I mean if he wins one that might obviously shape a lot of the conversation but yeah the guys had a fantastic career but it's just haven't seen it over the hump yeah for me 100 percent Ryan and another guy who hasn't got over the hump is Matthew Stafford and this is to my point that I made earlier the Rams are such a better organization than the Detroit Lions I heard a statistic today in Matt uh, Matt Stafford's I think it's 15 seasons. He's been here since 2006 or seven. How old, how old is this guy? He's a, I believe it was 2006. Yeah. Okay. So so 14 seasons, whatever, maybe 13 seasons. I think he missed a whole season when he got that one big injury and they went defeated. (laughs) They didn't win a, a game. So he's been on a terrible organization in all those seasons. They only had three seasons where the defense finished in the top half. And in those seasons, they won nine, 10 and 11 games. The rest of the seasons averaged out to the 26th ranked defense in the league. Now, are we expecting the Rams to be 
a top one defense again like they were last year? Probably not. They probably come down to earth a little bit. They lost a few guys. But to predict them to be top five, top seven, feels pretty fair again. And giving that uh, and the Sean McVay boost, the weapons he has in L.A., there's a reason to believe the Matt Stafford that so many of us, myself, probably leading the bandwagon, saying this guy's better than that. He's not just a stat patter. He's he's legit. He's making throws. Go back to the first game of the season last year. He dropped an absolute dime to DeAndre Swift, his rookie running back, to win the game in the fourth quarter of week one. And if they win that game, who knows if their season goes in a different route. But dropped a dime. It hits the guy in the face. They lose game one. And before you know it, the Lions are the Lions again. Not saying it would have changed everything, but just an example of how he's been dealt a tough hand in his career. He's been super durable. He throws for a million yards. He has every throw in his back pocket. This is his year to put up or shut up. And as a Matthew Stafford stan, this is almost my only biased, <laughs> my truly most biased put uh, pick here. I think if he's not tier two now, I will take my hat off, drop it, and say I was wrong or he's past his prime or whatever you want to say. But this is the year for him to do it, and I have faith. Yeah, I mean, I you couldn't said it said it better. He he gets me jacked up for sure. Matt, excuse me, Matt Matthew Stafford, because yeah, he's he's got balls. He's tough. He 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 makes throws for guys in his face. He's always putting the team in the position to win for the most part. But then things haven't bounced his way. You could argue that his whole career, but the great ones they make things throughout the game to to make to, to have the ball bounce their way. And granted, yes, football is the ultimate team sport when you put the ball during the guy's bread basket right in his face and he just completely whiffs it. That that's very it's a very pill to swallow. Absolutely. But I think you're spot on where this is his put up or shut up year. And then honestly for that, it's it's that's why it makes me nervous where I don't know how because listen, coming coming into a new system, first year quarterback, regardless of who you are, right? It's it's a challenge. It is a challenge to deal with not even just how the coaches operate, like the systems and all that. It's more of the reads, the checkdowns. That takes some time. And now nobody practices anymore, right? So that's something to consider. How how much, I'm talking about live scrimmage, actual practice guys have the opportunities to get that type of action and make those reads on, 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 in live settings, it's very tough. So that's probably the, the main factor why I, I put him in tier three, because I just don't think, I mean, yeah, Brady's an anomaly where you come into a new system year one and you win a Super Bowl, It's different. That's where it is for me with Matthew staff. So it's his, what is it? His 10th system. How many seasons <laughs> have he gone through his career? Right, a lot, way too. How is that healthy? Right, and yeah. if he, if he so puts up the same, you know, wins with uh, Sean McVay and the Rams as he did with Jim Caldwell and you know uh, Jim Schwartz and all these guys and Matt Patricia, then we got problems. And then he is a stat patter, and he's stat what stat Padford for the rest of his life. Stat Padford, yeah. And, and there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say let's keep moving though because we got to talk about a bunch more guys here. So yeah, let's not waste too much time here on. Deshaun, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, because they're talked about a lot. We know about Deshaun. We don't know where he's going to play if he's playing yet, but whatever. Josh Allen, quickly, 
near MVP season next year, last year. Can he keep that up? A lot of people believe yes. He has a lot of the same system in place. Brian Dayball is still there. Stephon Diggs is still there. He's a risk taker, which can be to his detriment. If he can minimize those risks, I think we could talk about him in the tier one next year. But right now, he's tier two. He's about as solid a tier two guy as you can find on this list. Lamar Jackson, similar concept. There's obvious things he needs to work on in the pass game with consistency, but he makes up for it in all those other ways that only Lamar Jackson can. He's just as solidly placed in tier two, in my opinion, as well. Um, Do you have anything to add quickly on those two guys? Because I want to deliberate a little bit more on Dak and Tannehill in a second. No, I I think you're spot on with those guys. Um, I I love Josh Allen. I love Lamar. So I think they definitely are on the right path to elite type level. So, sure. Yeah, and we've, we've, we've heard it, right? We've heard people talk about what Lamar has to do to become elite. He's right there. He was closer probably a year ago. The offense yeah. has now added receivers, which I don't love that core of now Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, and uh, and uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, but it's an upgrade. It's a legit upgrade. So even though I don't love it, it's better than what they had, so it should help him. We'll see how that goes. But let's talk about Dak and Tannehill, two guys who are probably more similar than we've ever wanted to talk about or ever realized because they're both big guys who can move. They're not guys with burners, but they can move. They can make a lot of throws. They have strong arms. Dak Prescott and Tannehill both had this this uh, discourse about them earlier in their quarterback careers where it was a lot of, oh, well, you know, they're taking the easy throws. Dak has the best line and best run game in the league. Uh, Tannehill has got Derrick Henry, and the play action is the only reason he's good. There's a lot of discourse that goes on about those two quarterbacks, which makes you think they're average. But in the most recent times we've seen them on the field, they've done a lot more. Tannehill's statistics, his stats alone, would put him right on par with the elite guys. And that's no joke. When you talk about yards and you talk about uh, long throws and touchdowns and things like that, he is on par with the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, we don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but there's a reason why you and I both put him in Tier 2. Dak, similarly, in those four games last year, I mean, he was lighting the world up. That team fell apart when he got hurt, and he got talked about as this system quarterback, and he was not an anticipatory thrower, and he's changed all that. He knows defenses better than anybody. He's prepared, all those things. So when you put Dak in this category, you said you had some pause. What led to that pause? I know you mentioned it a little bit before, but what ultimately uh, led you to put him there? Yeah. I mean, you said it right. He, he, I mean, two years ago, they had the best offenses in football, right? Zeke in the line had a lot to do with that, but at the end of the day, the guy who's, who's driving the ship, it's, it's, it's going to be on him too. Right. So so you, you got to give him credit for that. And then, yeah, those first four games, it's like, holy crap, he's 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 getting scary, right? Especially his Giants fan. You're like, oh, damn it. Like, what what can, what, what are we going to do, right? Um, and – but in terms of just the games when it counted with, like, the playoffs and and games that where the, the – where he needed to elevate his game in the fourth quarter, for, from the, the sample size that I had watching Dak, he didn't get there. And that's why I had a little bit of a hesitation on, damn, is he that tier three guy? Because again, when we're checking off this QB Rubik, that's the number one thing to me. Guys, at the end of the game, fourth quarter, he's going to put your team in a position to win, right? And from a lot of the games that I watched at the, the year prior, 
it, there was a few times where that didn't happen. So that's why I'm like, mm, I don't know. But then when you take a step back and really look at all the other things that we talk about, the eye test, the stats, the, 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 the athleticism, the arm strike, all that, he's got it. And, and he's only getting better. So that's why you got him, got to put him in there. Same with Tannehill, right? Like you said, they're very similar, they, like in terms of how they are, the system that they have, right? They got some really nice weapons on the outside. They got a great running game. Um, so, yeah, Tannehill was, I think it was what? It was Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Wilson, and believe it or not, Kirk Cousins, I think, was the other top five. Josh Allen, then Tannehill. So, right, he's right there statistics wise when it comes to touchdowns and yards and all that and i i think he's only getting better right so um now year th- i think it's what year three that he's in the system yeah in, in tennessee yeah. so that's that's another factor to consider where i think those two guys and same with dak year four this is this is it year four i believe with dak right or year four or three five he oh, got wow. the extension so it must be five now it must have been five right i know it's four sneaky, or five sneaky. so yeah. So and yeah, coming off an injury, I know with, with the whole contract, he's got a lot to prove, Dax. So that's why I, I had to put him up there. Yeah, and, and Dax an elite like leader of men, right? It's exactly. Kind of, it's almost like corny, but it goes to the eye test thing. It's like this guy is the true quarterback. Just, yeah. There's no other way to say it. So if you wanted to put Dak and Tannehill in tier three, it would be because he just came off an injury for Dak, and for Tannehill, yep. you'd be putting uh, too much emphasis on. Derrick Henry, and that's why he's so good, maybe, if you wanted to say that. And then Arthur yep. Smith did leave Tennessee to go to Atlanta, so he's gone. And uh, yep. the Tennessee defense has not been good lately, so that can hurt them in the win column. But Tannehill, to me, has proven enough to be Tier 2. Let's move on to Tier 3, where mine gets a little bit smaller, and you have a few more guys now. So yeah, this is where we really start to differ in our, in our, uh, in our names here and our orders. So I'll read yours off, your, eh, yours off first. Here's Paul Barquita's tier three. Again, that's solid quarterbacks who carry their team in runs but don't do it consistently enough. You have Kyler Murray at 10, followed by Justin Herbert, who we talked about, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, who we talked about. You got Big Ben in there, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, and Kirk Cousins. Now, we do have a number of the same guys, but mine's smaller because my tier two is bigger. I have at 13, Joe Burrow, followed by Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins. Then I have Kyler Murray. So that's the big one that we have to litigate mm. here. You had him at the top of Tier 3. I have him towards the bottom, and rounding out my Tier 3 is Derek Carr. So through three tiers, you have 18 quarterbacks, and I have 17 quarterbacks. Um, the one guy who I did not mention, who that means he's in my Tier 4, is Big Ben. So let's talk about Kyler Murray first. You have him knocking at the door of Tier 2. I have him towards the end of the room in Tier 3. What happened there? Why do you like Kyler's chances to continue to be good and perhaps get better? Yeah, I mean, starting with the eye test, athleticism, arm talent, he's he's awesome to watch, right? He's got all the skills. Again, call him Russell Wilson 2.0, right, with his ability to, to make the throws unbalanced, the ability to scramble and, and make the plays outside the pocket. So that's where I think what starts with him, but the other factors like the system and just becoming now polished enough where this is his third year. This is where I think is the big step year for a lot of guys, right? And now you got another year, you got DeAndre, you had one year with him. He's hands down between him and De- Devontae Adams. You can argue the top 
one or two best receivers right in the league. So that definitely does help. And then head coach getting a, I think getting more opportunity under his belt, Kingsbury. So I think that all meshes together, right? And then you add a couple pieces from the draft and and just another year of experience where I think he's knocking on the door as one of those great tier two guys for sure. So I, I I'm I'm putting on Kyler Murray as you're putting your hat on Stafford. Like I think this is his year where he's gonna crack that that top ten for sure. Yeah, he I mean he at different points of his tenure now has looked like he's that guy. There were chatters about him in the MVP race last year, which was, you know, premature. It turned out to be premature as he yeah. really cooled off and that Cardinals team cooled off, came down to earth. And that's really what worries me a little bit is you mentioned how he's taking steps into year three. I think there's another angle where defenses are taking steps against him into year three. And the more film that they have on Kyler Murray, the, uh, the more comfortable they can be playing against him. So, Last year, what happened when the Cardinals started to fall apart? Uh, it wasn't that, you know, they had an insane amount of injuries. They really did stay together. I don't think I trust Cliff Kingsbury very much. I think there's a great chance that he's gone after this year if they really don't start to figure things out. And that's what worries me. And, and I hate to do this because I never thought this would be a detriment to him based off his athleticism and et cetera. But his height is a detriment. It stinks to see how small he can look in the pocket sometimes. And I know coming out with guys like him and Baker Mayfield, it's like, oh, Josh Allen had more balls batted at the line uh, than these guys did. So does height really matter? Yes, it still does matter. And there is a portion to playing the quarterback position that it gets harder on him. And we've seen Russell Wilson work against that for years. Kyler Murray has to prove a lot more this year uh, to get over that hump for me. And Part of why I dropped him down a peg is based off the output I expect, his division is a freaking gauntlet. Like the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. You can so easily predict the Cardinals to be the fourth team in that division, and they can very well be a solid team in that regard. But he's going to be put up against the test over and over again. And if we're talking about system mattering and circumstance mattering, there's a chance I think we look at this year slightly disappointing and we look at his new ceiling as tier two, whereas going into last year, we were looking at his ceiling as tier one. I expect him to take a few more steps to get to that tier two category. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. But yeah, I think that's where it is for me too, where it's, it's, it's either break through or fall down. So it's, but it's, it's, it's a gamble I'm willing to take. I've seen enough of him where yes, that the height, trust me, that, that definitely is a detriment for sure. But I think he's only going to get better from, from his experiences and learning on the job, really kind of getting thrown in for day one. So, so we'll see. I think that's going to be an interesting one for sure out of this, out of the list. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about another guy we both had, you had a 15 technically, and I had him at, I actually had him at 13 at the top of my tier three, a guy who we only saw for a portion of last season. This is a bit of a projection like I had with Justin Herbert, but Joe Burrow really impressed me last year in those short in that short amount of time. I think he is the real deal. He can move. He can make all the throws, even though his arm isn't spectacular. He's a leader. He passes the momentum test. His statistics pass the stat test. The only thing that didn't pass last year were the Cincinnati Bengals and the system around him. 
but that is increasing and getting better. He now has, um, you know, no more old AJ Green, but they still have Tyler Boyd. They add in Jamar Chase. They have another year of T. Higgins, who really came on halfway through the season last year. It excites me to to see him healthy, and hopefully he is healthy. But I think there's a real argument to be made that I have him too high. You have him a little bit lower, but what do you think about the outlook on Joe Burrow, you know, trying to project because we don't have enough information to say he's going to be tier two for sure this year, but I think there might be reason to believe he can be. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned all the points in terms of the ta- off the, the rubrics, right? The, the, the arm, the leadership, all those, he's got that. He is the real deal. I agree. I think he can get there in terms of, the help he's got, he's got a nice core of receivers. You mentioned those guys. He just got Jamar Chase, so that's going to be nice. Um, but yeah, it's that that injury scared me, man. It, it's it's his health. I mean, it's I, granted injuries happen all the time. We talked about it at the top of the show, right? It is a factor, but that's where I got nervous, right? Is he going to be able to stay healthy and be on the field? Because right, he's not as physically gifted like maybe some of these other guys who can be able to move outside the pocket take some hits he's got kind of like a weird type of body where some of those hits can really hurt him and 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 put him out of games and he needs to have a bigger that, head like you yeah well please <laughs> but that that's done a great job with my uh my life in terms of all the messed up things i've done all these concussions right but um <laughs> But that's where it is with Joe Burrow, man. I just, I'm, he's, he's, it's, it's, he scares me with, with the health factor. So, but otherwise, I, I definitely could see him being in the, in that tier two up to tier one from a small sample size that we have. Yeah. It's way too aggressive to put him there now, but I think there's legit reason to believe he, he can be there sooner than we know it for sure. Uh, on to tier three, a guy I want to talk about. And I'm not really sure, to be honest, with all of our talks about, football and our between me and you between the group chat. I don't know how you feel about this guy. Now, granted, I see where you have him on the list and that's pretty much right where I have him at 16. I have him at 14. So, but you know, both in tier three, that's Baker Mayfield. Where do you stand on him? And with the discourse of it saying like, Oh, Stefanski spoon fed him last year versus, Oh, he actually looked really sharp last year. What's the truth? Is it somewhere in the middle? Like where do you see Baker Mayfield in this NFL? Yeah, it's eh, right? That 16 is kind of like eh, where do I think he can go get over the hump? Yeah, he, he's got he's got a great system. He's got some weapons around him. Let's say if they stay, they stay healthy, right? The run game definitely helps. I know you love your guy, Nick Chubb. Helped you a lot last year, right? Um, <laughs> so I think he can get there, but I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's a small sample size. It goes back to that consistency, right? Why did I not put Herbert in the top two is because he's got to see it do it again. It's the same kind of thing here with, with Baker granted. Hey, they had a great year last year. They got to the playoffs for the first time in freaking 20 years, right? That's awesome. That's what you're supposed to do as a, as a first, first pick, right? You got to be that guy. That's got to take you to the next level. Now you got to step it up. Right. And I think that's where he comes into it. Right. Stefanski definitely, you could see spoon fed him a little bit. So that's, where I see him, why I think it's a little bit, he's a little bit more down that way. So that's where I really stand with Baker. It's, it is, he's got more to prove to me. I think this year really comes down to, okay, let's, 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 let's again, put up or shut up really. So. Yeah. And he, he has the weapons. He has a good team. It's a really talented roster that could help him boost up, right? Like if we talk about 
uh, all these different variables of why guys can get boosted up into tier two or tier one or vice versa, um, that all plays a factor. Whether we like it to or not, it is physically impossible to try and judge these guys without taking into consideration what they have around them. Right now, he has a really good system around him. That's why I personally have him above Kirk Cousins, above Kyler Murray, and above Derek Carr. I think the Browns are just way more talented, and that'll help him win more games, be more comfortable, do the things that he's good at, because you can't say that Baker Mayfield's going to be a bust, because there was a point in, in time where you can be one of these guys who didn't like Baker, and you can say, nah, he ain't nothing. Like He is not worth the number one pick. He's not going to be ever good. He's going to be you know, mediocre 8-8 eight eight for his whole career. Well, that's probably not going to happen with the infrastructure that the Browns have built. So taking that into consideration, I like where we have him in the middle of the pack with the chance to perform towards Tier 2 because of what he's got around him. Let's move on yeah. to talk about another guy whose discourse has really shaped how we think about him. That's Kirk Cousins. So I think in all uh. of it, it kind of comes to an even point here where there's a percentage of people who say, oh my God, Kirk Cousins got paid what? He's so overrated, blah, blah, blah. But then so many people said he was overrated that he became underrated. And then people were talking about how underrated he was. He's actually better than that. He's not overrated. So I think all in all, he's properly rated as a mid-tier quarterback. Like I have him at 15 on my list. I think you have him at 17 on your list or 18. Yeah. It, you, you have him a little bit lower than me. Is there anything specifically that you don't like about Kirk Cousins? Because I feel like yeah. it's really easy to say he's just average. But what do you not like about him? Yeah, it's just a wet noodle. <laughs> it's yeah, it's I'm stumped with Kirk Cousins because, yeah, he's just if you think of average in the NFL as a quarterback, like if you look up that word in the dictionary, it is Kirk Cousins. Right. Because. And consistent for me, really, one game, he looks like the hundred million dollars was way worth it. Those four touchdowns. 300 yards Vikings went big and then the next week he throws three picks they get blown out like who wants that from your quarterback right consistency is the number one thing that you look for in a winning team that's not just football that's in all sports can we agree that right hey it's in it's in everything in business in business and life consistency is is the number one thing and Kirk Cousins has not shown that throughout his career and it's just been average and like all the great seasons that he's had and the and it, it it balances out where he's had crappy seasons same with the different performances throughout the year and that's why he's the king of i saw something yesterday or the other day it's happy kirk cousins day it's eight it's august 8th <laughs> yeah, right? i think logan sent that in or something is like eight eight happy kirk cousins day it's his number it's his he's always eight and eight or seven and nine so um yeah, I would honestly put him literally around like the middle of the pack, like 16, like kind of the halfway point. But I just think Mayfield and Burrow are 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 certainly better. I'd much rather take them over Kirk Cousins. That's kind of why he falls to the 18. But obviously, he's not in that tier four. So, yeah, he still is solid. His records so. since he became a starter in 2015 in Washington, 9-7, and 8-7-1, seven, 7-9, seven and 8-7-1. One ten and five season where some positive things came out of him, but that Vikings team was really good. And then back to right. seven and nine. It even felt like last year a lot of those yards that he put up and some of the touchdowns he threw, it just felt like garbage time. It was like, oh, yeah. they're, they're down by twenty one, and then they made it a seven point game in the fourth quarter and lost by three, or they lost by seven. Like that's how it felt 
for, for Minnesota last year. And that doesn't warrant anything higher than middle of the pack. So let's move on. Actually, no tier three. You have one more guy. It'll segue us into tier four because he's in my tier four. You put big Ben in tier three. I teetered there. I wanted to do it just to tip my hat and say, appreciate your great career. But I just hated watching their offense last year. What was the deciding factor on keeping big Ben in the tier three range? Yeah, it's, it comes down to respect where the guys, a uh, future hall of famer, Still put up a great year statistically. I mean, Pittsburgh at a time was the best team for a long time for 10, 11 games. Right. And that's, you got to tip your hat to that. So uh, it's not an easy thing to do nowadays. Right. Um, And then obviously they completely crumbled by the end of, by the end of the year. Um, But also we talk about system. I mean, he's got a very nice, supporting cast around him with some of the receivers they got. You had a Najee Harris who definitely is going to make his life a lot easier where you got a nice running game. Now he's basically running the offense himself. He's been doing it for how long, right. With the, with his, how he calls the place. So I know you don't like their offense, but it's, it's, and I, I just think also the Steelers are such a class, a franchise where they're always going to be in it. You can never count the Steelers out. You can never count, count out Mike, Mike Tomlin and obviously big Ben. He's been there. He's won it twice. So that, that gets a lot on my list and I know he's 39. And do you think he's, he's, he's probably on the 18th hole at this point in yeah. his career. Right. He hasn't uh, quite I taken the, the same care with his body that uh, Tom Brady has. <laughs> no, no, no one, no one will ever do that. Let's keep, oh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll see. But yeah, so that's where it is. That's where I, I put Ben in the, in the, the tier three where he's still a guy over some of these other guys we have in, in tier four. It's, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a disrespect to yeah, be honest. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. And I really like, I, I killed myself over this one a little bit. It just frustrated me so hard watching their offense last year where he was just throwing, you know, two yard slant, three yard cliff, like over and over and over again. It was like, Oh my God, you have insane weapons. Like let's stretch it out here. And a lot of it had to do where they lost their run game. They had no run game last year. James Conner was getting hit behind the line. Any fantasy owners of James Conner can testament to how bad their yeah. run game was last year. So maybe it'll be better with a better offensive line. If they're healthier, who knows? But it was just ugly watching them last year. And to use my projector tool that I've been using on guys like Burrow and Herbert, I am projecting here that Big Ben does take the step back that he was showing last year. And this is the beginning of the end for him. Like Phillip Rivers got all the boosts last year in Indianapolis with a good roster and a good run game. And they were they were rolling towards the end of the year when uh, who's there who's there running back? John, not Jonathan Stewart. That's a different guy. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Jonathan. Great guy in fantasy. He yeah. was awesome for me last year. He was off the charts, and that was part of the reason why Phil was looking so good at certain points of the season. So I don't know if the Steelers mm. can do all that to help him out. I'm just really feeling like the hump is in the past for Big Ben here. And I hate to say it, but it's how I feel. So yeah. let's move on to Tier 4. This is kind of perfect timing. We'll, we'll probably go for another 10 or 15 minutes, and we can round out Tier 4. We're not going to talk about all of these guys, but this is this this is the rest. This is the rest of the bunch. For you, it goes from 19 to 33. Um, for me, it goes from 18 to 33 as well. Uh, even though I think I did. Oh, you know what? This is why I have him. You have Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston combined and uh, Mac Jones and Cam Newton combined, kind of thinking of them as a quarterback unit, I assume, is how you were looking at it. Um, yeah. I separated Taysom Hill and just took him off my list because, in my opinion, 
he's just not, not gonna put gonna be the starting quarterback. It's gonna be Jameis. And I think that yeah. made me uh look at this very different from you. So to just give you the highlights, I'm not gonna read all the way 18 through 33 or 19 to 33 for you. For this is my list here. I have at the top of tier four. This one even hurts to say out loud. I don't know how I even did this. I have Carson Wentz at 18, Jameis uh-huh. Winston at 19, followed by Big Ben at 20. Then we get into guys like Jimmy G, Fitz, and Goff, Darnold. And then I get the rookie, highest rookie at 25, Trevor Lawrence. And we'll talk about how I see that easily moving up if he does what he's supposed to do. But we haven't seen it, so I'm not going to put him above guys like Jimmy G or Big Ben, for that matter. We're just not going to do it. Um, Then the big two for me here, Tua, Daniel Jones. Then you get into the rest of the rookies and the rest of the starters in the league. It gets kind of ugly. Um, as you get there, well, not ugly because most of them are rookies, but some of the other guys, you know, if Andy Dalton's a starter, oof. if Drew Locke's yeah. a starter, oof. you know, like we don't know what's going on there, but it's not looking super pretty anyway, or it's a rookie. So that's why the list is going to be the way it is for you. The highlights include Jimmy G and Ryan Fitzpatrick leading your tier four. You have Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold more towards the middle, and then you have the rookies as well. But where it really gets interesting, which we're definitely going to talk about in a minute, Giants fans have been waiting the entire time to say, where is Daniel Jones? Paul Barkita, can you just say out loud what number you have Daniel Jones ranked at right now? I'm 31. Mamma mia. Oh, <laughs> how do you feel? How do you feel about that? Because you are a Giants fan. We have not spoken about how you are a Giants fan. And I would wow. say that... Fans can go one of two ways here where you either love Daniel Jones and you're giving him all the benefit of the doubt possible or you hate him and you want him to not be the quarterback anymore. I don't think you're either. I think you unbiased just, I really, I'll I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk. I just don't think you like him though. So what do you think about Daniel Jones and where do you have him ranked? Yeah, those, right. For those who, who don't know, I am a diehard Giants fan, have been, my entire life um so it really does kill me to put our quarterback this low on the list but as i mentioned at the top of the show i'm a, a very unbiased ob- objective sports fan and i will give my grades as as i've seen and i've watched every giants game since obviously i've as long as i can remember and that obviously includes watching daniel daniel jones and you know pete i i want him to succeed I really do. I really want him to be the face of our franchise. I want him to win a Super Bowl. He's Eli 2.0, the the aw shucks, quiet, you know, great locker room guy, very professional. Like he's the guy that you like. We were so spoiled with having Eli like that as our quarterback. Like, and then that's I really am rooting for the kid. In in, in regardless of football, right? In terms of his ability on the field, I, I really do want him to to to, to succeed. But in terms of what he's done on the field, uh, it's it, it's not it's not pretty. It, it's it's hate is a strong word, but it's it's very close to what I've seen over his tenure so far as a Giants quarterback. And here's what, why I I really do get so angry about it. What's the number one thing about Daniel Jones that he needs to fix? I think everybody in the world can argue it's what it's stopping the turnovers, turnovers, right? Okay, Any, anyone can tell you that. But here's the thing for me with the turnovers. The mistakes he's been making when it comes to the turnovers are very and should be 
unacceptable mistakes. Mm. The things that he's been doing where it's causing fumbles and, and turnovers and, and interceptions and, and just not converting first downs, it's things we learn as a very young quarterback, right? You think of the, the, the clock in your head, right? Even if you're not a quarterback, you're a football fan, you, you know that clock, right? So obviously at the high school level, the college level, and then at the NFL, that, that clock's so much smaller, right? We're taught as quarterbacks, first read ain't there, second read ain't there, backside ain't there, check down's not there, run, throw it away. And that's usually around a five-second time, right? Four to five seconds if we're lucky from the high school, college level. In the NFL now, it's three seconds, right? And you would think now that he's played enough where he should be able to get that down, he hasn't. And he hasn't done the things behind the scenes to fix it. And that's what gets me scared because do I, he's a great guy and he's in the first guy in the locker room, watching all the film. Like you would think he's that type of guy, right? Cause that's what the giants are about. That's their culture. That's what they got with Eli and Phil Sims. And like, that's, that's what it's about. But if he's not doing those types of things to, to get better, that scares me. Right. Because he's not, talented as as some of the guys at the top of the list right he's not justin herbert talented when it comes to throwing the football um can he run yeah we saw that he definitely can can run but that doesn't matter to me right because he 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 doesn't have those other abilities and what i've seen of him to where he can make these types of throws and 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 take your team to the next level pete the giants offense as an offensive minded guy right right to play defense defense How how pathetic has that offense been? Not even talk about last year. I know we're going off last year, but how long? It's been five, ten years. It really does. Even some of the Eli years that were good, the offense was laborious. And and I want to add to what you just said about Daniel Jones. Now, I granted, I had him higher than you. I had him like, what, 24th or something like that? 25th. You had him 31st. I don't think he's there. Um, But here's the reason why I agree with you either way. He had the second highest sack percentage in the league last year at 9%. 9% of his dropbacks, he was sacked. The only person worse last year was Carson Wentz, who I would say this, the reason Carson Wentz gets sacked is different. Not that it's better per se, but I think it's a little bit better. Carson Wentz is trying to be a hero. He is doing way too much and getting sacked yeah. because of it. Daniel Jones doesn't look like he's trying to be a hero out there. He doesn't look like he's trying to do too much. He looks like he's trying to do average stuff, and he's getting sacked 9% of the time on dropbacks. Deshaun Watson had the fourth highest sack percentage. Russell Wilson, uh, sixth highest sack percentage. Those guys are extending plays regularly. They're rolling out. They're extending plays way longer than most humans would be able to in the entire world, and that's why they get sacked. Daniel Jones isn't doing that, and I'm sick of hearing about his legs until I see his legs actually mean something in practice. There's guys like Cam Newton, obviously, who's an outlier, who's rushing for 10 touchdowns a a year, right? Obviously, he's not that. Lamar Jackson, obviously, he's not going to rush for a dozen touchdowns like Lamar Jackson might. But guys like Josh Allen, guys like Ryan Tannehill, hell, even Aaron Rodgers, find ways to sneak in the end zone. Joe Burrow did it in the early part of his career where it's like, okay, we're in the red zone. I need to put points on the board. I need to get in the freaking end zone here. And it's not happening on this pass play. Oh, my God, I have a lane. Let's go. 
We saw the one rushing touchdown he had last year because it was an awesome play. It was one rushing touchdown last year, Paul. So I don't want to hear about the 4-4 speed. I don't want to hear about his top speed on the play he fell over at the 20-yard line uh, and how impressive his straight-line speed is until he turns that running ability into a red zone threat to help this offense score some points. I don't care. It just doesn't matter to me. So he threw 11 touchdowns last year and 10 interceptions, and he ran for one touchdown, Paul. That is in no way acceptable for a good quarterback, let alone average quarterback, in this league. So I don't know what exactly is going to change here, but his, his one rushing touchdown does not warrant anyone saying his legs are a reason to um, say why he's better than a tier four or at the top of tier four. Even he's not there. There is so much. You talked about momentum. You talked about eye test. Those two to me for him hit home the most. When is he going to say, Hey, I am the quarterback of the New York Giants, and I'm going to win this damn game. It doesn't happen. When is he going to go into the red zone and say, I don't care if I get trucked diving for the pylon, which obviously we can argue isn't always smart, and quarterbacks shouldn't do it that often. But Uh, sometimes you got to, yeah, yeah, you're the the worst quarterback to ask for that one. But like, (laughs) when is he going to just put things aside and, for lack of a better term, sack up and just put points on the board? The red zone offense was atrocious last year. Now, my friend Alec, he was on the podcast last week. He he said it at the end in last words. He's like, well, Kenny Galladay is a red zone target. Kyle Rudolph is a red zone target. Evan Engram dropped, you know, 20 passes and five of them were in interceptions. That hurt him. Sure, I'll give you some of those things. But until I see Daniel Jones score freaking points, I don't care, and I don't think he's the quarterback of the future. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> boom, Mike. I guess, oh, it, it, how how frustrating is it? Like, I, I like I, I think it. the I worst your voice, the worst you. thing that can happen for the New York Giants, and I know you'll agree with me on this because you care about your Giants greatly. Is he has a slightly better year, cuts down the turnovers a little bit, throws like twenty touchdowns similar to his rookie year or so, and the Giants go eight and eight, and we continue with life as Daniel Jones is the quarterback, and we're average until we get rid of him. That's going to suck. That's worse. I'd rather him just, you know, be bad this year and we figure out who our quarterback is moving forward. Honestly, that's how I feel. Yeah, or the opposite, or he puts up 30 touchdowns. Or he goes off. Get, right, of course. And we go off. So then it, it, that's that's it. It's That's exactly where it is. Um, I mean, everything you said, I could passion in your eyes, and I just want to jump through the screen and just be like, I know, I know, <laughs> what the fuck, right? Uh, the running, yeah, man, it's – it's um. Yeah, it's he's got this is it. it. It really is. It's it's year 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 three. It's 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 put up or shut up time. It's yeah, it's again, it's not it's gotta be he's gotta throw 45 touchdowns, but 25, 30 touchdowns where he's the offense is putting up points. Like I think the first time we put up 30 points was like in years. We had like a stretch where we couldn't even put up 20 points. And Pete, tell correct me if I'm wrong, this Giants team. I know they, they're a couple of pieces away. The offensive line needs to get a little bit better. The defense is built to win now with, with, with adding some of the guys they added in, in, in the offseason, re-signing um, Williams, who had a career year. Yeah, you get Galladay. So the Giants, they're trying to win right now. And, and the only way they don't get to over the hump 
it's 100,000% going to be on Daniel Jones. So, yeah. Um, but I agree. I, I think mediocrity is, is, is it's either you suck, get rid of him for our next guy, or he, he, he puts, he goes off and we're pushing for a play um, birth. And then that's it. That it, it's one or the other. I agree. Dak, so. Dak Prescott had more touchdowns, or actually, I'm sorry. He had the same amount of touchdowns as Daniel Jones in five games than Daniel Jones had in 14. He yeah. had, he had it, nine it, passing it, and three rushing in five games. Daniel Jones had 12 total, 11 passing, one rushing in all those games. He had, yeah. he only had, uh, I, I had the game log up. I just lost it here. He had, I think it was five games with zero passing touchdowns. That's impossible. That is impossible, Paul. Teddy Bridgewater, five rushing touchdowns. Herbert, five. Wentz, five. Goff, four. Tannehill, Goff. seven rushing touchdowns. It, 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 I think Daniel Jones should use his legs more. Let's do it. Let's use the legs. Let's try to get right. some freaking points on the board, no matter how the hell you got to do it. No matter and, how you got to do it. And that's what comes down to his, like I said in the beginning, his his preparation or those fixable things. Use your legs. Exactly. When, it's, when stuff's not backside's not there make a play right that's that's what he's not doing don't don't sit like you said i'm so glad you brought the sack up percentage up right like you said carson and russell wilson Deshaun watson their their sack numbers are high because they're trying to be heroes when you watch the fit on daniel jones and how he sacked it's it's really his fault and it's not him trying to make plays it's just not getting the ball out or not taking off or not changing the play, adjusting the protection. It's, these are things you, you gotta, you, it's, it's, ah, see, now I'm getting frustrated. Yeah. These se- are things as an NFL games. quarterback, these are things you learn at the college level and he's not even doing it in the NFL. And that's where it is with Daniel Jones. So um, we need to move so, yeah. on. We need to move on from him. I'm getting frustrated. He had seven games with zero passing touchdowns. It's impossible. It's impossible. That's the stat. Should, yeah, should never happen. Yeah. Oh God. All right. Let's talk about a few more guys in tier four. Um, real quick. I just want, I just want to say on Carson Wentz, I don't even know if you want to add anything here. The reason I put him at the top of tier four, I know he was absolutely trash last year. I'm not trying to act like he wasn't at fault last year. He was bad, but he's in a system with the guy who put an MVP season out of Carson Wentz. He's with a better roster. He has talent on the outside. He has a real running game. There's a legitimate chance. There's a chance he can be a tier two guy this year. And I'm, that's why I'm putting him at the top of tier four. There's a chance he's the 28th quarterback in the league again as well. But it, it's unfair to Carson Wentz to say that that one year is impossible to get close to. I'm not saying he's going to be that good ever again. But he can be close to being a relevant good quarterback again. The Colts are a place it could happen. I don't have anything to add there. Do you have anything to add on Wentz? Because I want to try no. to rapid fire. Yeah, I, I honestly almost put him in the tier three. And if he didn't get hurt, if he didn't get hurt, because all, all those factors, Frank Reich, the, the, the guys around him, no pressure of terms of I got this rookie coming in. I got to beat him out. This is a fresh start. This is it. And no, if no he full didn't stature. Just get hurt, yeah, if, if he didn't just get hurt with the foot thing, I would I was putting him in, in – at least in the tier three, possibly tier two. So yeah. good, 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 good uh, point there with, with Wentz. So um, similar. Same point on Jameis Winston. You know, we don't have to litigate this. He has been uh, all in all average quarterback with all the ups and all the, all the downs. He's pretty much graded out average. And I think with Sean Payton and the saints, 
you have to give him a little bit benefit of the doubt that he's going to be at least close to mid-level quarterback, which is why I have him towards the top of tier four as well. Um, you know, you put him and Taysom together and put him towards the bottom, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. Those are two guys I wanted to mention. Any of the non-rookies that we didn't touch on that you want to talk about here? Maybe Jimmy G, Goff, or Tua, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Jimmy G for me is an interesting situation. You know, where I look at it, it's I think it's going to be a similar type of Alex Smith Mahomes situation when Mahomes got into the league, right? Where Alex Smith, he wasn't dumb and he was, you can argue, a solid quarterback, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, solid tier three. He's a tier three guy forever. Yeah, solid tier three guy, right? And I think that's where Jimmy G can be. And think about it, right? I'd, I'm coming off an injury. And I was just in the Super Bowl two years ago, and they just drafted the future of their franchise. Jimmy G ain't three. four years At old. At number three. The, right? So if I'm Jimmy G, I'm coming in pissed off, and I'm coming in saying, nah, this kid isn't taking my job. I'm going to show you that I still got some, some stuff uh, left in me. I'm going to do what they did to me with Brady. We're going to let this kid sit for five years, right? I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But So that's where I think Jimmy G is an interesting car, uh, card. But – the guy can't stay freaking healthy. So, um, so I, that's going to be an interesting, interesting situation there um, in San Fran. And then um, Tua, I, I actually wait, to let me, let me ask you this question actually to, to wrap it up. Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Tua, who out of those three, do you feel like has the best chance to find success uh, from here on out? Oof, that's, that's uh, a tough question. I think Tua. I think I think Tua. I just think the Dolphins have the. And I'm not trying to kiss Mule's ass. Mule, you know, you like and he can whatever. I just think Flores is a going to be a t- elite level coach. I think the culture that they got there, it's it's. I know they're making moves, so I think Tua's got the best situation. Obviously, the Lions. When you're going to the Lions, you know what where that's going to be at, mm-hmm. and. um and Darnold, I'm rooting for Sam Darnold. I really am. And I know he's got obviously a much better situation with some of the weapons that he has in Carolina and has a fresh start. But I also, I don't know, we, we, despite the shitty situation that he was in, in, in here with the Jets, he, I, I don't know. So that's why I think I'm putting my money on Tua because I think he's still got a lot to, he hasn't really proven a lot. I mean, he hasn't had a really a full sample size. So yeah, it's tough. Um, with it's the, t- the, it's Ad, the Adam Gase effect, the the lack of weapons, the lack of offensive line, the lack of run game. He's had zero help in his career, mostly yeah. led by his head coach slash offensive leader in Adam Gase. So Joe Brady is the coach over there, the offensive coach in uh, Carolina. He has some good weapons there. He has Christian McCaffrey. I think there's a chance for him to to show something, but I also think there's any point in time where the Panthers can say, we have a better option. Thanks, Sam. See you later. You know, and like, cause that's, that's, that's just what it is. That's, that's where I, that's why I'm going to, I think Jared Goff has proven what he can do. Clearly if he was any good, McVay would have held on to them and he uh, held on to him and he would have been there. I mean, they took him first overall. Right. And, and, and they, they got, paid they him and him. then paid to get rid of him. Yeah. So that shows you where, where, what his worth really is. And you think he's going to go to, to go to, go to the lines and re- revitalize, revitalize his career and become an all pro. Yeah. I'm, yeah. uh, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and then that's where I think about Darnold too, where I think if, if the Panthers, he has an okay year or they're have you know, they got, they're in the top 10, they have a losing season and quarterback comes around. I think it's, it's, yeah, I think 
Darwin's really going to be a bridge guy. I, I think I see uh, in Carolina. So that's why I have to go really with Tua. A Teddy uh, Bridgewater. Think, yeah. So. All right. Last question because then we got to go. There's rookies, and some of them will start right away. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. Some of them probably won't start away. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Is there one guy, maybe take Trevor Lawrence out of it. I think we all across the board believe he will and should be the best. So out of Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones, who do you see having the best chance to jump into the Tier 3 before we know it, or who knows even to a Tier 2 because they all have paths to get there? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, and it, it is so tough for me because I want to say Trey Lance just because I think he's in the best situation. I mean, obviously, they're a Super Bowl-built team right now, the Niners, but as I mentioned before, let's see what Jimmy G does. If Jimmy G is showing out, and they're not going to make that switch, right? But if he's not showing out, that could be week three. So they might lance into the fire there, and then he could obviously adopt a great situation where he can easily jump, right? Um, same with Mac Jones. I think they're in a great situation in, in New England. Obviously, with Belichick, you're never in a bad situation with Belichick leading the helm. And arguably, the Patriots won the offseason into the free agency, right? So they're looking to win right now. Um, and who knows what you're going to get out of right? I mean, it's just like, it's, 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 I feel terrible about it, but it, it is what it is at this point. Um, out, of, out of who? Out of Zach Wilson? Who'd you say? Out of who? Oh, out of Cam. Out of Cam. No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Cam, Cam Noon. Sorry, yeah. Um, so I think if I had to put my name, put put it down on one guy to get to that next level, um, I really think it's it's going to be Trey Lance. Yeah, and we haven't even think... seen them play a preseason game yet because we're recording this to pull behind the curtain here. Anyone listening, yeah. uh, anyone listening to this an hour and 30 minutes in has the right to know. We recorded this the week uh, on August 10th to be released yeah. August 16th or something like that. So, uh, yeah, we haven't seen anybody even take a snap yet. So I feel you. It's really tough. I agree. Trey Lance is the guy. Uh, I think there's a reason the Niners took him there at number three, and he has a legitimate chance. Uh, do you want to say anything to Jets fans as your last words about Zach Wilson? Yeah, I think you got a good guy. I I, I like they had to move on from Darnold, fresh star with the new coach, new quarterback. He's got he's – got, Great. I think he's got the arm, the eye test with the the arm ability, the ability to make the throws in different positions. And you know, one thing I do like about him, I, I know everyone, all the memes and all the the crap that he's like a pretty boy. He's got that type of swagger, confidence. I, I can I've seen when I was watching a couple of games him with BYU, you could tell that he has that. He can get in the in guys' face and say, "Hey, let's go! Come on! We got we got to put the ball in the end zone right now." Right. And it's not coming off like he's trying hard. Just like, just shut up, pretty boy. Like, he's kind of right. got that like cocky slash confidence to him, which you need that as a quarterback. Right. Yeah. You need to have that type of swagger where guys are going to want to get behind you. And you definitely got to do that as a day one starter, as a freaking rookie in New York. Yeah. Right. So, um, I, I think he's, I think for, for our Jets fans there, I think you got you got to go on with Zach Wilson, but I'm going to say the same thing. I'm sure you're saying and everyone else is saying you got to put some help around him. You got to get him some weapons. You got to keep building the offensive line. I think Joe Douglas made a had a great draft, and I think the Jets are making for for the first time in a long time. It's like the Knicks, the move, just like the Knicks, yeah, right? They're literally uh, they're doing the right thing for once in their they're life. They're doing the right things for once in a very long time. So I'm just hoping this year 
to wrap it up that our New York teams can show some competence, right? Obviously, the Jets have a long way to go. The Giants, we still have a long way to go. But it starts here with the quarterbacks. Let's see where these guys can take you to the next level. If you're a Jets fan, all you're looking for is competence. That, okay, this kid can play. Get some more weapons around him. Get some more experience behind him. He can he can show up. And then same with the Giants. It's yeah. it's 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 but it's win it or bust really almost here for Daniel Jones. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll see, man. Yeah, uh, man. That that this was so great. Uh, one thing that people on this podcast or who listen to this podcast are going to be absolutely sick of me saying, but Elijah Moore, the second round pick out of the New York Jets or out of Ole Miss for the New York Jets, is a is a dude is electric. They're talking about this dude in camp like he's so legit. I'm like, yo, I've been telling you, I've been telling you. I, in my opinion, he was second, third best receiver in this draft, and he's going to be off the charts. I love him. But Paul Barquita, ladies and gentlemen, Paul, Subway Sports Talk debut. You crushed yeah. it, knocked it out of the park. I think you threw a couple touchdowns yourself. You lowered your head into the end zone once or twice, and uh, it was wonderful, man. We got to do this again. And I'm sorry that uh, we went a little bit later than uh, we thought, but we figured that was going to happen realistically. Yeah, I knew in the back of my mind it was going to be longer than, than in maybe an hour that we thought. Um, but honestly, Pete, I could keep going. You know me, we, yep. I could talk about this as, as much as, as much as we love to, but, um, uh, but again, I, I really appreciate you, uh, having me on tonight and I'm really excited to continue to be in the conversations around football season, um, here on subway sports, sports talk, and, uh, just looking forward to, uh, 2021 and let's see what the season has for us. Absolutely. My brother, my quarterback. Love you. I'm in. Love you, Subway bro. Sports Talk, Thank y'all. You. Thanks for listening to our QB tiers. We'll be back next week. We got football previews, of course. We got baseball on the thick of it. It's a great time to be a sports fan. Let's do it. Cheers.